it just it just totally changed everything when we realized that he didn't want to go small. He wanted to go hard. So we were like, okay, if we're going to have this many bands, we have to turn this into the whole thing. It, it just naturally is that way. My name is Nicole Utley, and this is Getting Together Better, a weekly podcast exploring the unique ways people gather and the secret sauce that makes time together meaningful, memorable, and magical. Welcome to the party. Usually we release episodes on Thursdays, but given that today is Halloween and our episode is a little Halloweeny, I just had to drop it today. So let's set the mood. What I'm about to tell you is a true story. It was a breezy October day in a quaint, small town. Four friends got together. One was an artist, one was a techie, one was a people person, and one was a concert junkie. Their purpose? To resurrect a cult. It totally sounds like the perfect setup to a scary movie, right? Actually, this is the story of Buzzards and Bees, a Halloween time music festival in Provo, Utah, that takes place not at one central location, but all around town. One Saturday, 10 venues, seven or so genres, 80 bands, and a cult following of loyal music lovers. The bands perform their original music, but the Halloween theme adorns their stages, inspires their costumery, and often bleeds into their set lists. And the whole thing kicks off the night before with a dance called Goth Prom. I am melting with excitement about today's episode because we are creeping into the mind of Alex Vaughn, co-creator of Buzzards and Bees. Hint, she's the artist and also the originator of Goth Prom. Alex is one of those people you wish you could just hang out with all the time just to bask in her creativity. She's currently an art director, but in her past life, right out of college, she worked in software sales, which is great news if you feel like you have a quote unquote boring job because Alex actually gives that job some credit. I wasn't actually that interested in selling software. I used very little mental energy to do my day job. And then I would come home and focus on all my passion projects. And that's why I was doing so much, including Buzzards and Bees. That's when that started. I was doing murals. I direct music videos sometimes. And then she just casually mentions, oh, I was in a space rock opera. So it, it like it was perfect because I felt like I could explore everything I was interested in while still having a stable job. And now I'm selling a product that I care more about and I get to have a lot more autonomy and responsibility. But I'm finding it harder and harder to do these sorts of side projects because I put so much of my heart and soul into what I'm doing every day at work which is like photo shoots. I'm helping design our website. I'm doing social media. And so it's making me be a little bit more picky about what things I decide to put my energy into. But I do think it's good because I'm probably at that point where I should be more picky because the type of work that excites me gets bigger and bigger the further into my career I get as well. So it's like, okay, I no longer really care about doing someone's logo, but if someone wants to come to me with a wild idea of something bigger, like a big project that usually entices me more anyway. The city of Provo, where Buzzards and Bees takes place, is an interesting environment because 
There's Center Street, the historic downtown Main Street that's a mix of new shops and restaurants, and then businesses that have been there forever, like the used bookstore that's pretty popular with its front facade painted like a stack of monstrous books, or the mysteriously quiet hearing aid center that has, I don't know how this is legal, stuffed polar bears in its front windows. The population is about the same. It feels small town, but then you have two major universities close by, which brings that down-for-anything kind of energy that college students have. There are a few events that bring the whole city together, like the 4th of July parade and the summer farmer's market. And there's a big scene around art and music. Years ago, an event popped up called the Rooftop Concert Series, named straightforwardly for its location on the top level of a parking garage. Eventually, it grew and grew until it was too crowded and unsafe on the roof, and thus was moved down to the street. So once a month, June through September, Center Street was blocked off, and thousands of people flooded in for free concerts, featuring up-and-coming local artists and artists with roots in Provo who had made it big. Then suddenly, to the dismay of the cult following, it was announced that the Rooftop Concert Series would be discontinued. It wasn't an event actually put on by the city. It was supported by the officials, but it was just a handful of local organizers, and they moved on. However, for the loyal fans it had created, there remained a gap. And that's where the story of Buzzards and Bees begins. Okay, so, Buzzards and Bees. Yes. Coolest thing that's ever happened in Provo. (laughs) Oh, I hope so. (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. Tell me just the origin of it, how it started out, how you guys all got involved. Yeah. So we didn't really know what we wanted it to be, but we knew that we were losing something with rooftop and that there was a gap that needed to be filled for the city because it it was doing such a great job um, of fostering such a fun community event. And if we could solve for an event that didn't close down downtown, that was like a huge plus for them. So this kind of checked a lot of boxes, but it didn't become Halloween themed until we all got together and brainstormed and started talking about like, well, what is this? Why would we make it? What makes it interesting? What sets it apart? And at some point, I don't know who said it or how it came to be, but the Halloween theme like came about and it clicked with all of us. We were like, Yes, there's no question, no doubt. This would be so fun to transform the entire music scene and just make it like a spooky, fun Halloween event. Like we all love the 4th of July in Provo. Like when everyone's out on the street, it is electric. They don't shut down the street, but then there's still like thousands of people like out on it. It's like so weird in like the best way. And like, if there's any event that I could create that makes any other day of the year feel like that, that's my goal. So you guys started having this conversation of what could we create? Did you consider doing like one giant concert? And then how did it turn into doing it at all of these different little venues? Yeah, we've considered a lot of things. Actually, in the first year, we thought that Corey would book at max. 15 bands, 18 bands. And then he came to us right before the event and he was like, it was something like 60 bands. So like, it just, it just totally changed everything when we realized that he didn't want to go small. He wanted to go hard. So we were like, okay, if we're going to have this many bands, we have to turn this into the whole thing. It, It just naturally is that way. One of our goals is fostering the music scene. It's really important that bands who don't normally get 
the spotlight have a chance to play at this and by accepting as many bands as we can it allows for that so it's just been a lot of like hail marys like decisions (laughs) like let's just see can we get more venues to donate their space to us It, it was evolving all the time we didn't have constraints that we felt really strongly about at any point it just became picture the founding team of buzzards and bees as the avengers if the Avengers assembled in coffee shops and weren't ruining your life with a new movie every five seconds. What I'm saying is the combination of the four founders, I feel like is an important part of this story because they had a perfect mix of differing but complementary superpowers. There's Dean. It was kind of like his brainchild. He's the one who got us all together. Dean is in charge of finding sponsors and talking to venues and he coordinates a lot of the sound because it's such a heavy lift. He also helps make our website. Dean's kind of like a catch-all. He's very talented. He calls himself a creative generalist, I believe, or it may be a creative technologist, actually, because he, he has a lot of technical skills. He does a lot of interesting lighting and sound installations. Corey, who owns the local music venue Valor. Corey is in charge of booking bands and contacting all of them. He's kind of in charge of making sure that it's all scheduled appropriately and that the people who are in three bands in Provo have time to get to each of the places they need to get to that day. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's no way we could do this without Corey and Valor. And the, the goal is hopefully this perpetuates itself in a way that if we're inspiring younger bands, that that helps Valor ultimately in the long run. Paul is kind of like our project manager. He helps schedule the volunteers and he takes notes at all of our meetings and makes sure we're on task because we're all a bunch of like artsy <laughs> people who like, get a little ethereal. So yeah, he keeps us in line and, and Paul handles anything that anyone hands him, which is so nice. And of course, Alex, whom you've met. I'm in charge of art direction, our social media, our marketing. I, I help try and find the stage designers and I do all of goth prom and then I escort people to our secret shows. It's all hands on deck though. I mean, like there's uh-huh. even more than that, that we're all trying to handle. Since we do everything by hand every year, it's all across the board and we're all kind of doing it all. So I've been going to Buzzards and Bees since the beginning when they made a call for volunteers and I showed up with a camera that I hardly knew how to use. I would use the following words to describe it. Playful, shoestring, indie, energy, community, mystery, magic. The mystery comes from the fact that you never know just what to expect. This year, there were suddenly live snakes at the Goth Prom photo booth on Friday night. And the last show on Saturday night, the band made up of four men with facial hair leapt on stage dressed as the Powerpuff Girls. And a banana bounced in the middle of the mosh pit. Like a person dressed as a banana. I think the magic comes from the intentional things that create that kind of environment where anything can happen. One of my friends calls this concept intentional serendipity. I'm just curious. I don't know if you can pinpoint it, but it just like it is magical. Like it's magical. What is it that creates the magic of it? I think it is a combination of things. I think the time of year is huge. I think the theme is huge. The secret shows were very important. There was a a good part of our initial brainstorming when we were trying to figure out what the festival was. Small secret intimate shows were important to us from the beginning. There's this YouTube channel, The Takeaway Show, and they've been doing it for a really long time. 
And when they first started coming out, they resonated so much with both me and Dean. They just record these tiny little shows. Someone like Sufjan Stevens will start playing on like a rooftop or at like a cafe, or they will find like a random apartment location where there's like less than 30 people in the apartment and they'll put on a small little concert. And they feel like what music is supposed to feel like, like just this beautiful, intimate, amazing experience. And somehow we are privileged with it being recorded and captured in a really good way. These are like videos I've watched countless times for like the past 10 years. And so because those are so inspiring to us, we were just like, we have to do something like that. Like they're so amazing. And we also know that we aren't big enough to be able to ask someone like, like Joshua James has come each year. Like we're not, we're not able to pay him what he's worth. We're not able to create this enticing offer for him, right? To come and help us with this no-name festival. But I think that the secret shows resonate with everyone in that way because they are, they're low cost, meaning they don't, take too much energy right to make it's not like a full-blown concert or show and they're usually acoustic so we don't have to worry very much about getting sound all perfect they just show up for their quick little 20 minute set and then they can leave just little little ask but to the people going to buzzards and bees it's this magical adventure because we don't tell anyone who's going to be performing we just say we have secret shows and if you pay attention you can definitely probably get a ticket to one but we have a limited amount of them and I hand make all of the tickets and they're, they're all unique and then whoever gets a ticket I escort them to where the show is at a secret location usually within walking distance of downtown and all the locations we've been able to use have been so special and cute and cozy and, and wonderful we had one of them at there's a doll museum just off of Center Street that's kind of creepy, kind of weird. It's like this like museum in a house. And our first year, Joshua James's secret show was at it. And it was so fun, like escorting a line of people. They're just trusting me and piling in this house. Everyone's sitting on the floor. The lighting is so cozy. And he just starts like without a word and everyone's silent and everyone is staring like how do I eat up all of this energy and feel this forever and then it's done and you, and and then you just go to your next show and it's like <laughs> so so cool I, I love the secret shows even just the anticipation of it is like okay I have this ticket and I know what time and where to meet but I think as kids we experience that kind of wonder a lot more and as adults everything's so accessible to us. Like if I wanted to, I could just YouTube anybody, you know, and yeah. probably see a performance of theirs, but having kind of that, what's going to happen. Yeah. It's a, it's a mystery. And then being in that intimate room and there's only like 20 of us just watching this amazing performance. It's so cool. And then goth prom, I know is kind of your baby. So tell me about that. When you meet someone at goth prom, it's, it's like a super surreal experience because it's not like everyone's dress is like fairies or something. Gothic is literally a fashion style. So when you see someone at the event, it's amazing because you have no idea what they're really like. And it's, it's such an easy costume that everyone does it. And I think that's part of the magic of goth, goth prom is that everyone is in costume. And I think that's getting rarer and rarer. You know, people can kind of half-ass Halloween or a costume party, 
but anyone can throw on a black outfit and eyeliner. And so like, that's what they do. It's almost like a masquerade ball. Like they could actually be goth or they could be some pasty white kid that just has glasses and is a nerd most of the time. Yes, yes. it's amazing. Like the photos that we get every year, I'm in awe of the costumes that people pull together. I think one of the years there was like a group of guys who came chained to each other, shirtless (laughs) with like, tape over their nipples it was like insane right like like, but it was incredible and it's the type of thing your parents don't get like my mom and dad are like we don't like gospel but uh when you go to it you're like oh wait this is hilarious and fun and amazing and I just keep thinking how can we push this even more like we crown a goth king and queen and we had a fire breather it's just it's so fun the festival is truly incredible but it's no cakewalk. As with any event, there's a lot of burden behind the scenes that you don't see, especially the first go-round when you're introducing an idea and pulling together whatever you can to make it work. So I asked Alex about that first festival. Did you run into any roadblocks? I think that the first year we we felt a pretty neutral about. It didn't put more wind in our sails because everything was happening so late. We booked bands pretty late and they didn't have enough time to get the word out. People didn't really understand what this was, like especially with like the two-day aspect of it. People were so confused about how we only had one event, Goth Prom on Friday night, and the event was Saturday. We just felt like not a lot of people were there. Like anyone who was there was in a band. And it was a bummer when we would go into venues and realize that there was no one in the audience. And we didn't really know like what to do with that. It was like, we pulled it off. We pulled off this crazy thing, but like no one knows about it. (laughs) Like how, and I think that that became like the fire under our butts for the second year that we realized like if we can't get more people here this year, maybe this isn't an event that people really want to go to. And so we put a lot more pressure on the bands to self-promote their individual shows. And that made a really big difference. I just think at first, no one really understood what was going on. They're like, Mm -hmm. what is this thing? They knew Corey Fox, they knew Valor, and they were like, all right, we trust that this is a real thing and we're just going to go with that. But we have no idea what this is. And so now I just think as we're starting to build that like brand equity, people are like, okay, I get it. Let's do this. It's a good lesson, though, that when you're doing something new, people aren't always going to understand it. You have to give them as much of a vision as you can. And then sometimes it's just doing it once and having it happen. And then people are like, oh, okay." You learn so much by doing anything, right? Whether it's a failure or success, like you learn things. And so I even think one big takeaway that I still feel like we don't leverage enough that we need to is video goes a long way. We made a short little snippet clip of like what the festival was from the limited footage we had and it moved mountains. People were like, oh, oh, I get it. It's a music festival. We're like, yeah, we've been saying that in everything, but because like seeing it and attending it, like it just really helps as much of a visual aid as you can, you can create. Yes. Super huge. As mentioned, Buzzards and Bees takes place at 10 different venues simultaneously. With only one official music venue downtown, the remainder are often restaurants, coffee shops, record stores, even churches. And Alex brought up something I hadn't even considered. Essentially, we are renting like all the sound equipment in the city for one day. Like we're saying, 
we need sound and someone who can run sound at 10 venues. And there's very little time between the bands. So it's like bands don't really get to do a sound check. They just, it's like they load in, they play their set, they have to load out. And every band normally has different requirements for what their band needs for sound. So the sound is really complicated for the whole event. And then on top of that, we need volunteers for each like niche of the festival, sound, photography, videography, stage design, security, making sure people know where to go, checking wristbands. But all the volunteers want to go to the concerts because that's why they're volunteering. They're like interested in music. So then you don't want to keep someone all night long. You want to make sure they can go see some of the concerts. So it's like this balance of we need way more help than we ever have but as it's growing obviously more and more people are interested in helping without a budget it's so 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 grassroots like we are just leaning on like everything we can locally downtown to make it happen you said you started out with zero budget and nobody really knew what it was and it was kind of a hard first year so yes like what is it that makes it worth it to you to put in all the effort for everybody but for you especially That's a great question. I think after the first year, we, yeah, we felt like, I don't know if that was worth it. Like it, it was so insane the first year. And I, I think that seeing after the second year, our spirits were like sky high. Right. And, and even up until that point, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this again. Like, I don't know, two months of my life just get completely swallowed whole by it. But I think it's really rewarding just to see all of the people who get involved, who care, like a lot of people care about the Provo music scene and are willing to help us. And each year, the more people we can touch and affect, the more rewarding it is. And especially the last goth prom we had, it was packed full. And to me, it feels like I provided fun for people, which is really rewarding, (laughs) like just providing an experience and providing a community effort and getting people to meet each other. There's so many bands who came for the photo shoot and got to meet other bands and talk for the first time and creating this sort of collaboration within the community. Provo just means a lot to me and creating the community aspect to it is huge. And so there's something inherently rewarding about it. So for me, the success comes from getting more and more people involved because then it's just like, here, here's a present to the city. Like <laughs> that's, what it, yeah. that's what it feels like. It's my gift back, you know, carrying on this feeling that I have felt here. And that's the show today. Here are some of my takeaways from this interview. Number one, ride the wave. Pay attention to what people are already excited about and what needs exist and build an event around that. Number two, assemble a diverse team. Work with people whose strengths are your weaknesses. Number three, two words, visual aids. It's so easy to have a clear, exciting vision for something in your head, but to get people on board, you have to find a way to communicate that visually. As they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I would add, a video is worth about a million. Number four, intentional serendipity. Planning well can create the structure and environment for magic to happen. And number five, your passion projects can bless people. The Buzzards and Bees team does not do this for money, but they found something that's fun for them to create and they weren't afraid to go for it. And because of that, a whole community of local bands and music lovers have the best weekend ever. This is Getting Together Better, a production of Nedco, the niche experience design company. 
You can catch a new episode of Getting Together Better every Thursday. And I would love to hear from you. What are some of the best experiences you've had or some you're itching to create? DM me on Instagram at gettingtogetherbetter or shoot me an email at hello at nedco.fun. See you next time.